This is day five of this March, April, let's just call it April now, April Sashin 2019. And uh, I'm going to turn from 17th century Japan to 13th century China and read uh, one of my favorite, Roshi Kappel is my favorite text, which is Swampland Flowers. The uh, the letters and lectures of Zen master Da Wei. Twelfth century, I guess. He's more or less a contemporary of Dogen. See from my notes that it's been uh, a few years since I read from his hit read of his biography. So we'll just uh, hit some high points. Da Wei is spelled T A and then H U I. this is the the Romanized uh, rendering of Chinese is all all mixed up. H U I is Wei. T.A. is Da, like Dao. He's born in 1088, just south of the Yangtze River. Uh, at school, he soon showed a preference for Buddhism over worldly studies. I'm reading from the uh, uh, introduction by Christopher Cleary, who also translated it. It claims that at, even at an early age he was considered remarkable throughout the vicinity. At 17, at the age of 17, he dropped his hair, uh, which meant having his head shaved as a monk. When he was 19, he began his travels visiting various uh, monastic communities, meeting teachers. It says here that even at this early age, Da Wei would be taken for a later embodiment of previous Chan masters. One master, after having some exchanges with him, uh, exclaimed, you must be someone who's come again. It says that uh, when he got to the monastery of uh, Master Chan Dang, uh, when he got there, his intellectualism was unrestrained. And the master one day asked him, why are your nostrils boundless today? Um, and Dawei replied, because I'm at your place. The master said, you phony Chan man. Once when Dawei was reading a sutra, uh, the master asked, what sutra are you reading? He answered, the Diamond Sutra. The master said, 
He quoted from the Diamond Sutra, This Dharma is everywhere equal, without high or low. Why then is Yun Chu mountain high and Pao Feng mountain low? To which Da Wei replied, This Dharma is everywhere equal, without high or low. Uh, the master said, you could be a lecturer's assistant. <laughs> now here's where he runs into his comeuppance. Uh, one, the master said, you, uh, one day he said, you understood my Chan here at once, my Zen, of course, when I had you explain, you could explain. And when I had you give informal talks or general lectures, you could do that too. There's just one thing that's not there. Do you know what? Dawei answered, what? And the master said, you only lack this one liberation that's in the burst of power. If you don't get this one liberation, there's Chan while I'm talking with you in private, but as soon as you leave the Doksan room, there's not. There's Chan while you're awake and thinking, but as soon as you fall asleep, there's not. If you're like this, how can you be a match for birth and death? And this must have humbled Dawei because he said, this is precisely my point of doubt. So you only lack this one liberation that's in the burst of power. Breaking through. Awakening. Well, then, uh, the master Chan Dong was taken extremely ill, and Da Wei asked him, "If you don't recover, from whom should I take? Um, whom should I take as a teacher so I can complete this great affair?" And then he sent him to Yuan Wu, who's uh, the editor of the. Blue Cliff record. He says, uh, if you see him without com co completely comprehending, then go on practicing, and in a later life you'll appear and learn Chan, realize, not learn, you'll realize the way. So then he did find uh, Yuan Wu, and on his way there, he said to himself, I'll make nine summers the time limit. If his Chan is no different from the other places, and he falsely considers himself right, then I'll write that there is no Chan. You see the, uh, the arrogance. He says, delving into a great sutra or treatise is better than wasting energy and getting bogged down for years. By cultivating the fundamentals, I'll not slip from being a man of the Buddha Dharma in future lives. When he got to see Yuan Wu, he was asking for instruction all day long. Yuan Wu brought up Yunmen's saying, East Mountain walks on the water, and had Dawei come to grips with it. Dao Wei offered some 49 replies, but Yuan Wu didn't approve of any of them. 49. 
one day Yuan Wu had gone up to his seat to give what we would call Taisho, and he again cited Yun Men's words and said, I am not this way. If someone asks, what is the place where all the Buddhas appear? I just say to them, from the south comes a fragrant wind producing a slight chill in the recesses of the palace. And hearing this, Dawei emptied out and thought he was enlightened. Yuan Wu questioned him and found that although he had managed to get before and after cut off, so the aspect of motion does not arise, still he was settling down in purity and nakedness. Let's um, see if I can venture to translate that into terms more familiar to us. That he had managed to get before and after cut off, so the aspect of motion does not arise. Maybe then it was just a, a good, solid samadhi, uh, where there is no time and no space, no movement. But he was still getting settling down in purity and nakedness, still attached to emptiness, which uh, throughout the history of Zen has been recognized as a danger and easily mistaken for something uh, final. He had ventured into this marvelous state where everything is quiet and serene, still, empty. That's not awakening. So he said to Dawei, it wasn't easy for you to get to this stage. Too bad that having died, you are unable to come back to life. Without a doubt, words and phrases are a great disease. But haven't you seen the saying, and then he quotes, hanging from a cliff, let go and agree to accept the experience. After annihilation, come back to life. I couldn't deceive you. And then Dawei said, just based on today's attainment, I'm already joyous and lively. I can't understand anymore. Nice interesting pairing of statements. I'm already joyous and lively. I can't understand anymore. It's like uh, Bodhidharma's famous response to the emperor. I don't know. Yuan Wu assigned Dawei the job of uh, receiving uh, lay visitors and chatting with them when, when they came calling. Uh, why would he do that? Let's just pause here. It sounds like it may well have been an awakening. But uh, it's understood in Zen that after having seen into the formlessness of form, the the emptiness of all phenomena, that uh, form is only emptiness, emptiness only form, then begins the uh, long and vital process of post 
awakening training, which really, in one, one aspect of that is finding a way to integrate into that realization of oneness uh, the world of differentiation and uh, meeting with different visitors and keeping conversation with them uh, as a way to practice that uh, adapting to the person, uh, finding skillful means uh, with them. It's also a good practice for any of us to go to a, a gathering of any kind, a party, let's say, or something, and um, talking with people who don't know the first thing about the Dharma. Okay, there you go. Now, go for it. What can you? How can you find a way to join with them? That good way to start is to ask questions. Ask questions. When we question, when we ask about someone, it always brings us closer to them or brings the two people closer together. When we're questioning a koan, same thing. It's, there's no better way to become intimate with a koan than through questioning. But at the same time, whenever Dao Wei uh, met with Yuan, Yuan Wu and in, in, uh, Doksan, one will bring up this saying, the same saying every time. And this is the saying, having words or wordlessness, both are like clinging vines on the tree. Having words or wordlessness. Speaking or not speaking, both are like clinging vines on the tree. Questioning Da Wei with this, Yuan Wu would immediately say, Wrong, that's not it, as soon as Da Wei opened his mouth. Da Wei said, This truth is like a dog looking at a pan of hot oil, wanting to taste it, but unable to, wanting to give it up, but unable to. Yuan Wu said, You've described it very well. This is the unbreakable trap the thicket of thorns. He's talking about this um, cul-de-sac, this, this uh, doubt mass that is so uh, promising in koan work. You can't advance, you can't retreat. It's also been called, it's like having a... Um, a sweet mochi cake, a Japanese uh, sweet cake lodged in your throat. It's a it's a state of unease or discomfort.
this is the uh, this is what one signs up for when working vigorously on a koan is um, straying into this realm where you feel boxed in, where you're in this doubt, this questioning that that has got a hold of you. That's what's what's most promising. It's when it gets a hold of you, and even if you wanted to let go of it, you couldn't. But it's not pleasant. Dawei tried to uh, weasel the word out of the uh, answer of this out of Yuan Wu. Uh, Yuan Wu just laughed. He, he tried to, he said, uh, Master, you must have asked this question at such and such an assembly, and uh, what was the answer? Um, and then Wan Wu said, I asked the meaning of having words or wordlessness, both are like clinging vines on the tree. And then this other master said, describe it and it can't be described completely, depict it and it can't be depicted accurately. I also asked, how is it when the trees, the tree falls and the vines wither? And Wu Zhu said, it comes along with it. And at these words, Da Wei was released. So this is Yuan Wu quoting Wu Zhu replying to him. It comes along with it. This one on the page, uh, comes, falls pretty flat. Um, but that's just the point. It's, it's not a matter of the words. It's not a matter of the words. It's, it's all predicated on the, the mind state of, in this case, Da Wei. He was like a, a drawn bow, just ready to be released. So Dawei said, I understand. Then Wan Wu brought up uh, several uh, very difficult koans, and uh, Dawei replied to them all without getting stuck. And then Yuan Wu accepted him as the heir of the Linchi school, the Rinzai school. Before long, Yuan Wu had uh, split up his teaching duties with Da Wei. And then Da Wei quickly became esteemed throughout the Chan world. Uh, the uh, political winds uh, turned against him in uh, 1126 and he fled uh, to the south. They shifted again, and he went back. Uh, 
uh, to a monastery, leading monastery, where he's invited to be the head monk. Skipping around here. He is, uh, uh, since, since his death, he became, has been widely recognized as uh, one of the, the, the great reviver of Lin Chi Chan, or Rinzai Zen in China. Uh, Hakuen uh, spoke glowingly of him in his realization. But uh, when he when he was 75 years old, he fell ill, and uh, he told the congregation of monks, nuns, and lay people, tomorrow I'm going. And then in, in the pre-dawn hours, uh, the monk asked uh, Dawei for a verse. In a serious voice, Dawei said, well, without a verse, I couldn't die, could I? So he wrote, he wrote the following. Birth is thus, death is thus. Verse or no verse, what's the fuss? <laughs> then he dropped his brush and passed away. I'll uh, flip to the middle of the book and pick up where we left off. Uh, it was four years ago. Just in one of the uh, um, letters here, Dawei says, Good and evil all arise from one's own mind. But tell me, besides your activities, thoughts, and discrimination, what do you call your own mind? Where does your mind come from? If you can discern where your own mind comes from, then boundless karmic obstruction will be cleared away instantly and all sorts of marvels will come of themselves without being sought. What do you call your own mind? There's a koan in the Mumon Khan where uh, Bodhidharma's uh, heir-to-be, Weka, comes to him in absolute desperation and says, I've searched everywhere for my mind. I can't find it. And Bodhidharma's response brought him to awakening. He started by saying, uh, please put my mind at rest. Bodhidharma said, uh, show me this mind and I'll put it to rest. To which... Weka said, I can't find it. I've looked everywhere for it. And he said, then I've put it to rest. And Dawei continues, where do we come from at birth? Where do we go at death? 
you know where we come from and where we go, then you can be called a student of Buddha. Who is it who knows of birth and death? And who is it who experiences birth and death? Again, who is it who doesn't know where we come from and where we go? Who is it who suddenly realizes where he comes from and where he goes to? And who is it who, contemplating these words, blinks his eyes, unable to understand, his belly churning up and down as if a mass of fire were placed in his heart? If you want to know, just see him at the point where he can't understand. If you can recognize him then, you'll know that birth and death surely have nothing to do with him. He continues, Whenever you're reading the sutras or the stories of the ancient worthies entering the path, enlightenment accounts, when your mind doesn't understand clearly and it seems bewildering and stifling and flavorless, as if you're gnawing on an iron spike, this is just the time to apply effort. Above all, you must not give up. Uh, This phrase... uh, Knowing on an iron spike. I found something in another book. This is a, a book about Zen Master Hakuin's successor, Tore. And the book is called The Undying Lamp of Zen, and it's called the, the subtitle is The Testament of Zen Master Tore. And uh, this is what he uh, wrote or spoke. In the present time, there is also a type who tends to conceive easy views of the koans of the ancients. All alike, they look at them and say, an iron bar has no flavor. Ah, ha, ha, ha. They're like blind men asking about the color of milk. When told it's like a conch, they interpret it in terms of sound. When told it's like snow, they interpret it in terms of cold. Now an iron bar, or iron spike, does not mean there is no flavor. It means there's nothing you can get your teeth into. This is what's called an iron bar. Just arouse an intense attitude of great fortitude where there is nothing to get your teeth into and chew vertically, chew horizontally, chew and chew unceasingly, and suddenly you'll chew through. Everyone working on a koan, listen to this. Even when there seems there's nothing to get your teeth into, chew. Chew vertically. Chew horizontally. Here uh, the footnote tells us that vertically uh, refers to uh, working in stillness, or maybe you could say formal sitting, and horizontally refers to 
working in the world of activity. Chew vertically, chew horizontally, chew and chew unceasingly, and suddenly you'll chew through. Once you've chewed through, you'll find the inexhaustible flavor of Dharma in there. This is called an iron bar. Later people didn't understand and misinterpreted it to mean flavorless. And he says it's like the flower ornament sutras. Uh, it's like the flower ornaments, great sutra in an atom. You cannot get it without breaking down the atom. So too is the iron bar. If you try to seek the Dharma without chewing through it, you'll never succeed. And he says, Zen Master Wuzu, I'm still quoting uh, Tore here, said, <coughs> When I arrived at the school of Bayun, I gnawed through an iron beam, now it's a beam, and found all the hundred flavors contained in it. And then Tori says, if an iron bar is not chewed through, then it has no flavor at all, so it might be called flavorless. But if you leave off without savoring it, when can you escape birth and death? It would be like holding the sutra in an atom without extracting it being falsely acclaimed, a teacher, and spending your whole life idle. Even if you labored for eternity, what benefit would there be? Just to, so there, lest there be any misunderstanding, uh, if we labor for an eternity, we're a, uh, steadily purifying the mind and the heart, our character. Even if we don't awaken to our true nature, uh, all of this is, is the work. It's work that we've probably been doing, we've done before in previous lives. It, uh, it's all part of the process of ripening. Back to Dawei. Uh, this is just the time to apply effort when the, when the koan seems bewildering, stifling, flavorless. Above all, you must not give up. This is the place where conceptual knowledge doesn't operate, where thought doesn't reach, where discrimination is cut off and the path of reason is annihilated where you can always explain things and apply discrimination, this all pertains to emotional consciousness. Time and again, take this thief as, as, time and again, people take this thief as their son. Don't be unaware of this. So people um, mis mistake uh, this other working with the mind for the real work of no mindedness. That's what makes this work so hard, this Zen work, is we're so used to um, managing 
with the discriminating mind, our, our, our conceptual mind. We're so used to problem solving uh, by uh, figuring things out. But the koan, that won't work with the koan. We have to shift. We have to venture into a realm that is beyond conceptualizing, beyond thought, beyond discrimination. And it's uncomfortable. It's uh, uncharted territory for us. It takes faith. Faith to leave this world of knowing, judging, analyzing, the world of, of uh, thoughts, where we're, we're measuring things, we're measuring progress, we're measuring every kind of thing, and leave it all behind. Leave it behind. And go where? Where is there to go? We don't have to know Koan will lead us. The koan will lead us. If we trust it. If we can become the koan, we'll find our way there. Find our way back. Find our way in. And even leaving aside koans, the same with any, any of the Zen practices, breath practice or other koans, it's all about um, finding our way beyond what we know. It can be frightening. kind of a spelunking cave exploration, going into these dark caves, feeling our way. It takes courage. But the rewards, indescribable. Here's a letter of his um, to a Li Shi Piao. You've indicated you want me to instruct you by letter in the direct essentials. This very thought of seeking instructions in the direct essentials has already stuck your head into a bowl of glue. Though I shouldn't add another layer of frost to the snow... Still, where there's a question, it shouldn't go unanswered. 
and then he proceeds to go from there. Just to back it up here, this very thought of seeking instructions in the direct essentials is already going astray. There's a place to ask questions of a teacher, um, but for some things, the most important things, we can only find our way on our own. A teacher can help steer us toward that way, but the really important questions have to come from within. Some some students, I'm not thinking of anyone in particular, but over the years I've known that there are some students who want to have it explained in greater detail, or how to make it more exacting, more clear. But it's not the point. It's a matter of having faith in oneself and putting one's heart into it in the faith that it doesn't need to be explained and that it can't be explained. He continues, I ask you to abandon at once all the joy you've ever felt in reading the words of the sutras yourself or when being aroused and instructed by others. So maybe he, this uh, correspondent he's writing to, he knows, has an academic bent and uh, has spent too much time uh, reading about the Dharma instead of practicing it. Be totally without knowledge and understanding. As before, like a three-year-old child, Though the innate consciousness is there, it doesn't operate. So the, the, uh, our ca- cognitive uh, faculties aren't needed for this. Can't figure it out. Be totally without knowledge and understanding. As you feel you're losing, as you feel you're losing your grip more and more, and your heart is more and more uneasy, here again we're back to the discomfort. One can feel the state of, of, uh, unsettledness or unease in a state of questioning. Don't give up and slack off. This is the place to cut off the heads of the thousand sages. Students of the path often retreat at this point. If your faith is thoroughgoing, just keep sitting. What precedes the thought of seeking instruction in the direct essentials? Suddenly you will awaken from your dream and there won't be any mistake about it. What precedes that question, that seeking for an explanation. 
says why in uh, in 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 going to Doksan, um, people I want people to uh, state their practice first thing. Uh, it's so it's so easy uh, to forget about the practice when one is trying to arrange one's uh, the wording of one's question or um, or what's one's report. Um, one is all involved in, in words and and then the koan gets forgotten. And then uh, what I want is for someone to get back to that, to kick off the doksan, start it off by getting back to the whole point of it all. What your practice is. Not just a koan, breath or whatever. People can get so caught up in their in their, their their presentation of words uh, that the most essential thing is is uh, forgotten. This uh, this state of unease when we're in the the grip of of a, of a doubt sensation, the questioning, is 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 simply because we have no, no footing. We we have, we've we've lost our bearings. We're lost. When the questioning is pure enough, we are lost. It's like being uh, suspended, adrift. Not knowing. It's not so different from uh, being lost uh, while driving or walking in the woods or in that usual sense of the word lost. That can bring up quite a bit of uh, unease also. But that's exactly the gateway to understanding. Let's just start the next letter. Whether you're happy or angry, in quiet or noisy places, you still must bring up Zhao Zhou's Mu. Above all, don't consciously await enlightenment. If you consciously await enlightenment, you're saying, right now I'm deluded. So, very important point. If we are conceptualizing a state out there called enlightenment that we're trying to reach, then embedded in that, implicit in that, is the thought that I'm not there, I'm unenlightened, and that's an obstacle. That's another uh, stain, conceptual stain in the mind that can be uh, erased through the practice So it takes real vigilance. We have to notice when the thought of enlightenment is, when we're harboring that, when that is still in the mind, even the back of the mind. If we, if we notice it, then we're not 
deep enough yet. We have to not thoroughly enough absorbed in the practice because when we are truly one with the practice, there's no such thoughts in the mind. I spent, uh hate to think of how many sashins I spent where I thought I was working on Mu. I was working on the thought of enlightenment. If you wait for enlightenment, clinging to delusion, though you pass through countless eons, you will still not be able to gain enlightenment. Just bring up the koan, just arouse your spirit and see what its nature is. Then he repeats, a dog asked Zhao Zhou, Joshu, does a dog have Buddha nature or not? Zhao Zhou said, Mu. As you contemplate this, don't try to figure it out. Don't try to explain it. Don't demand clear understanding. Don't take it verbally. Don't construe the raising of it as the principle. Don't fall into empty quiescence. Don't consciously anticipate enlightenment. Don't take your understanding from the explanations of the teachers of our school. Don't drop it into the bag of unconcern. In other words, beware that you not slip into a state of indifference. That's, That's a kind of a macchio that some people stumble into. Don't demand clear understanding. That's a... That's a good one. It's, in other words, uh, it's, it's mostly murky working, working in Zen practice. Uh, it's, uh, because we don't know. How can there be clear understanding, clear understanding if we really are lost in questioning? Have to, um, grow into, um, a certain Comfort is not the best word, but the, the, the state of not knowing has to become more familiar because uh, that's where we want to abide. That means abiding in non-abiding, dwelling in non-dwelling, holding to nothing whatever but dwelling in prajna wisdom. That's it, prajna wisdom. Devoid of thoughts, concepts, ideas. Whether walking, standing, sitting, or lying down, just constantly call the koan to mind. When you can keep your attention on it fully, when verbal discussion and intellectual consideration cannot reach, and your heart is agitated, there it is again, when it's like gnawing on an iron spike without any flavor, then you must not falter in your intent. When you get like this, it's good news. So the Zen practice, to go far in Zen practice, requires not only a certain endurance of physical pain, 
and uh, and emotional pain, the, the kind of emotional issues that get exposed in our sitting, but also endurance of the pain, this pain of of uh, being lost, of having having uh, no moorings. It's a great privilege to have a method that will deliver us into that state because that is the portal to realization. We'll stop now and recite the four vows. I vow to uproot Dharma gates beyond measure. I vow to penetrate the great way of Buddha. I vow to pertain all beings without number. I vow to liberate. Endless blind passions, I vow to uproot Dharma gaze beyond measure. I vow to penetrate the great way of Buddha. I vow to attain all beings without number. I vow to liberate endless blind passions. I vow to uproot Dharma gates beyond measure. I vow to penetrate the great way of Buddha. I vow to attain.